morning, Trace. How we doing this morning? Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking time out of this snowy Sunday morning and coming and joining us as we continue in our faith and fitness series. And I saw some of my vitamin shop friends down here. You guys came. I know I'm making you embarrassed right now. Sorry. Good to see you guys. Uh, a lot of people have actually been curious, like, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this faith and fitness series? And it's really a multifaceted answer. As I mentioned last week, uh, my background is in health and wellness. I've got a bachelor's degree in exercise science and now I have a master's degree in ministry. And so it's my hope that I can take a health and fitness component that will add value to your life and compare it to a spiritual reality that, of course, will add value to your life. And even the Apostle Paul has this to say about fitness in 1 Timothy 4.8. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this lifetime and in the life to come. So we could say it that way as well. We're going to take something that we feel is good, but relate it to something that we feel is even better. But another hope of ours in this series is that we can go deeper in some biblical truths, but do so in a very practical way. Because what I don't want to do as one of the preaching pastors in this church is to say things in such a way that it's over the heads of the people in this room. To get up here and act like I'm smart and say a bunch of real big fancy words because in the process we often lose people. Do you know that the number three reason why people leave the church today is because they don't understand what the pastor is talking about? And so that's not what our hope is here. We wanna talk about deeper things but do so in a very practical way and do so in a way that you can understand what I'm saying. It actually reminds me of a video that we took this past December at our Trace Christmas party, and we were participating in this game. Maybe you've seen it before, but what happens is one person puts in headphones and turns up music really, really loud so they can't hear anything else that's going on. And then somebody else starts to sing a song to them, and, of course, everybody else can hear it because they're singing out loud, but the person in the headphones can't hear it. And the person with the headphones is trying to read their lips and say out loud what it is they think that they're singing. So my wife and I decided to give it a shot. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, go again. In. In the... <laughs> Jungle. Chocolate. <laughs> mighty. The mighty. The mighty. Jungle. Jungle. The lion. Light. Sleeps tonight. Yeah. You should try that. It's embarrassing. Guys, the human body is absolutely fascinating. And the more that you learn about some of the physiological processes that take place in the human body, the more I believe you will be in awe of God's intellectual design. One of the things that I've always been fascinated about is the ability of our body to regulate itself. Meaning if there's an imbalance, your brain knows how to regulate different imbalances in the body. And there's a term given to this and it's called homeostasis. This is how it's defined. Homeostasis is the tendency of the body to seek and maintain a condition of balance or equilibrium with its, within its eternal environment, even when faced 
with external changes. Let me give you a couple of examples of how this takes place. When it comes to the water in your body, uh, it's made up of about 75%. 75% of your body is water. And so, of course, your brain is wanting to make sure that it's got the adequate amount of water just for overall health. And so what happens is if you don't drink enough water, if you're dehydrated, your brain tells your body to not get rid of excess body water because it doesn't want to be dehydrated. This is something I used to tell my clients when I used to do a lot of fitness consulting, and I would encourage them, hey, drink about a gallon of water a day for two weeks, and you're probably going to lose five to ten pounds. Because once your brain gets the signal that you've got enough fluids, it then lets the body know you can get rid of any excess body water that you're holding. And right now, the majority of you are probably walking around with five or ten pounds of excess body water just because your brain's saying, don't get rid of it because you're dehydrated. Another way that I would explain homeostasis actually came out of Vietnam. You see, when soldiers were in Vietnam and they would get injured and and hurt and be in the hospital to recover, many of them could not gain the proper weight back in a fast enough amount of time, in, in in a quick amount of time that they needed these soldiers. They needed them to gain weight. And so what they, what they learned to do is starve the soldiers for two to three days at a time and then give them high-fatty diets, high-fatty foods. And what happens is the brain, over two or three days of not eating anything, the brain says, we don't have enough body fat coming in. And I don't know if you know this, but your heart is actually surrounded by essential fat that it needs. And so when you don't have enough, body f- or enough fat coming in through your diet, your brain says, store fat. And so what they would do is they would starve these guys for a couple days, two or three days, and when they ate, the brain said, store it, store it, store it, store it, store it. This is why many of you, if you've ever started a health and um, a new nutrition plan, a lot of nutrition consultants would tell you, hey, eat little meals throughout the day because by eating little meals, it allows your brain to be satisfied and tells your body we don't need to store anything. There's plenty of caloric intake coming in throughout the day so you can burn anything in excess. The last example that I would use would be blood sugar. Now, some of you guys throughout the day may drink a Coke or eat a Snickers bar, and in those, you're going to have 40 or 50 sugars that go into your body. And when the blood gets full of sugar, your brain says, I can't handle this much sugar in my blood. And the way that it corrects us, again, the homeostasis aspect here would be the pancreas. The pancreas starts secreting insulin because insulin, when it gets into your body, grabs the sugar out of your blood and pulls it into the muscle, allowing your blood sugar to come low. But here's what happens. If you've ever had a blood sugar crash, this is why this takes place. Let's say you drink a Coke, eat a candy bar, blood sugar spikes. Now your brain says we need a lot of insulin because there's way too much sugar in the blood. And so as the blood sugar is coming down, even when it gets to normal, the pancreas has already secreted so much insulin that it keeps pulling blood sugar out into the muscle and then your blood sugar goes below normal and that's when we crash and die halfway through the day, right? One last component. And the way that I'll describe this, I'll use this ball for illustration because it's a little bit different than regular metabolic homeostasis. This more has to do with muscles and joints. And do you know there's actually receptors around your joints and in your muscles called proprioceptors. And what happens is if you ever step on something unlevel, imbalanced, unstable, 
what happens is these receptors send signal to the brain that I'm starting to become unstable. My ankle's starting to turn. My knee's going in a direction that it shouldn't go. And it sends signal, and these receptors that are really nerve endings start fighting to help you to get balance once again. When I used to be a strength coach, I used to train athletes on this ball. And I would have them, I gotta be careful because I could split my jeans if I try to do squats or anything here. But I would have them do exercise, a lot of different like jump squats and even lunges on an unlevel surface like a BOSU ball. And by doing so, it trains their proprioceptors, meaning if they're playing basketball and they step on somebody's foot and their ankle starts to turn, if they train on imbalanced surfaces, those receptors get stronger and faster, sending signal to the br- to the brain to auto-correct as soon as possible, keeping you from spraining an ankle or blowing out a knee. And so the body is an absolutely incredible creation. And once again, the more that you learn about it, the more I believe you will become in awe of God's intellectual design. Do you know that God also created something that is intended to help us when we experience imbalances in our lives? when we are faced with external changes that make us feel unstable, sometimes to the point where we don't feel like we can stand on our own. This force of stability that God has given us is actually not just one thing, but like a network of receptors, he has given us this network, excuse me, this network to fall back on, and it's called biblical community. And I would define it this way. Biblical community is a group of broken people committed to following Christ, committed to holding each other up when needed, a group committed to carrying one another's burdens through empathy, encouragement, and the exercise of prayer, a group willing to tackle the instabilities of life together. Church, we are better together. God designed it that way. And let me remind us that God in and of himself is a community, is a network, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the three still remain one. We were created to be networked together so that when our external environments change, and we all know they do, don't we? We're ready to face them together. Reminds me of a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Reminds me of one of my favorite movies of all time, Forrest Gump, and a scene that happens in this movie. And so I want to give you the opportunity right now to hear from the famous theologians, Forrest and Bubba. Check it out. One day, it started raining, and it didn't quit for four months. We've been through every kind of rain there is. Little bit of stinging rain, and big old fat rain. Rain that flew in sideways, 
And sometimes rain even seemed to come straight up from underneath. Shoot, it even rained at night. Hey, Forrest. Hey, Bubba. I'm gonna lean up against you. You just lean right back against me. This way we don't have to sleep with our heads in the mud. <laughs> Best movie ever. Let me ask you guys something. If it's raining in someone else's life, are you willing to get wet? Are you willing to allow your life to be interrupted at times? Allow your agenda to be changed? Are you willing to sit down with people that are going through extreme amounts of hurt and pain and suffering and loss and do your best to take some of that on yourself? That's called empathy, by the way. My hope as the leader of this church is that this will be a place full of those kind of people. People that are willing to get wet if it's raining in someone else's life. I think that's what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he said these words in Galatians 6.2, that we should carry each other's burdens. And in this way, we actually fulfill, it's a strong word there, fulfill the law of Christ. Fulfill. It is a strong word, a word that we should pay close attention to because for our conversation today, it's very important. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? By carrying one another's burdens. Before I answer that, let me remind you of why Paul wrote this letter to the church in Galatia to begin with. Here's some historical context. You see, the Jews in Galatia were trying to convince the Gentile believers that in order to be Christians, they needed to follow the law first, the rules of the Old Testament, beginning with the need to be circumcised. They were telling them, hey, you can't even be a Christian unless you're circumcised first. It would be equivalent to me telling you today that in order to be a Christian, you had to come to church every single Sunday. And if you missed, you were out. You, you had to come here. You got, couldn't have any sin in your life. And if you did, you were out. That you, If you ever rooted for the New England Patriots, you were out. Dang, I need to make a note. More jokes about New England Patriots. <laughs> so Paul's response to this behavior sounds something like this. Hey, if you want to fulfill the law, first recognize there is a new law, the law of Christ, and it has nothing to do with legalism. Nothing. But it has everything to do with love. What does that love look like? Well, it looks a lot like putting some stability underneath someone's feet when they can't stand on their own. Kind of like this.
And I remember I had a neighbor right across the street named Ernie Trosper. And Ernie one day decided to come pick me up in his famous Camaro, and that was famous in our neighborhood anyway. And it was canary yellow, and it was a convertible. And he came and picked me up, and he took me to Dairy Queen. And I don't really remember what Ernie said to me that day, but I remember the top was down. And I remember that that day Ernie put a stronger foundation underneath a five-year-old boy's feet that was feeling very unstable at the time. What does it look like for us to carry one another's burdens? Friends, next week we start something called neighboring groups. And one of the main reasons we're launching, launching these neighboring groups is to put a stronger foundation underneath your feet. So when things become unsteady, unstable, or even uncertain, you have a network of people to fall back on. And based on the things that you wrote down last week, as we confessed and got the junk out of our life by writing down an unconfessed sin, a private struggle, or a hidden secret, we know as a church right now that one of the best things that you could do is to get into a network of people that will hold you up and put some stability underneath unstable legs when you can't stand on your own. Friends, we need one another. We do. We were created for biblical community. We weren't created to do life alone. We were created to hold one one another up when things got difficult. And also, I want to remind us that these groups aren't simply to help us through difficult situations. They're also very essential for our development. I just got done reading a book called The Power of the Other by Dr. Henry Cloud. And in this book, he makes this statement. Do you know that if you feed babies but deprive them from meaningful relational connections, they will not grow as they should? Just from missing a relational connection, they will have lower body weight, experience more illness, and in some cases develop a syndrome called failure to thrive, keeping them from reaching their full developmental potential. Wow. Friends, life was not meant to be done alone. And I believe this need for relational connection is still vital for us today, even as adults. And we may be able to survive on our own, right? But without connection of others, we will fail to thrive. God designed you and me for community. It was his idea. The church was his idea. And listen to me. Because even if your life is going well right now, even if you would think of yourself as a very independent person, please don't make this all about you. Which reminds me of what Paul says right after, Galatians 6.2. After he tells us to carry one another's burdens, then he says, hey, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Church, when we carry one another's burdens... We fulfill the law of Christ. We reflect his love. And we give people some stability underneath their feet when it feels like the ground has been taken out from underneath them. We fulfill the law of Christ when we do this together. 
when we stop living as if we can do it alone. So our hope is that you'll come back next week ready to jump into a group because you weren't created to do life alone. You were created for biblical community. And life, don't miss this, life is so much better when we do it together. Let me pray for us. Father, I know many people in this room are probably thinking to themselves, man, I wish I had somebody to fall back on during a tough season of their life, during a season that was uncertain, unstable, and balanced. God, I pray that no one dismisses themselves for the need of human interaction, human connection, especially among other believers where we can carry each other's burdens together, pray for one another, walk with each other through pain and trials of this life because we know they're coming. If we're not already in them, they are coming. Father, we know that we're so much better together, but for some reason we bought into the lie that we can do this alone and we can't. It's time to stop faking like everything is fine because it's not. So, Father, I pray that there are many conversations among the people in this room throughout this week with family members and husbands and wives and about the desire to jump into a group. And I know some people have done this before and maybe have had bad experiences. God, give them the courage to step in once again, to give it another shot, because you created us for biblical community. We love you. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.